0: Illinois is now celebrating a new national holiday.
1: Juneteenth is a time of celebration. Juneteenth is a time of telling our stories of hope. Juneteenth is a declaration of faith that despite chattel slavery, we will never stop
0: fighting for freedom. Meanwhile, the General Assembly has gone home after a somewhat productive two-day special session in Springfield. We'll talk about all that on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. On Tuesday of this past week, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a bill designating June 19th as an official state holiday to be known as the Juneteenth National Freedom Day. It commemorates the day in 1865 when federal troops entered Galveston, Texas, and told the enslaved people in that state that they had been freed two-and-a-half years earlier, by President Abraham Lincoln's signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. The bill signing took place at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in Springfield, and fittingly, it was done in front of one of the few remaining signed copies of that document. Juneteenth has been celebrated throughout the United States for many, many years, as a day commemorating the end of slavery, but it was primarily known only within the black community. That is, until about a year ago, following the killing of George Floyd and the protests that followed, calling for the United States to come to a reckoning with its history about race. State Representative LaShawn Ford, a Chicago Democrat who sponsored the legislation, explained why it's all right if you didn't know about the holiday until recently. Because... It's our
2: school systems that have failed all of us, not just black people, but also white people, brown people have been miseducated in our school system. That's why the Black Caucus and our colleagues did inclusive history so that that is no longer a problem.
0: Now, for anyone who still doesn't understand why Juneteenth is so important in the black community or why all Americans should take notice of it, Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton, herself a descendant of slaves from Mississippi, explained it as only she could.
1: I, I can't help but think about that period of time between January 1st, 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect, and June 19th, 1865, two and a half years later when 2,000 federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to finally proclaim freedom to the enslaved people whose blood, sweat, and tears were still being used to make their owners rich. This was the true Independence Day. This was Juneteenth. Juneteenth is a time of celebration. Juneteenth is a time of telling our stories of hope. Juneteenth is a declaration of faith that despite chattel slavery, we will never stop fighting for freedom. That despite black codes right here in Illinois that discouraged free blacks to live in this state, we will never stop fighting for freedom.
0: Interestingly enough, on the same day Pritzker signed that bill, the united states house in washington passed a similar bill making juneteenth a federal holiday and immediately sent that bill to president joe biden who signed it on thursday within hours after that Pritzker announced that illinois would observe the federal holiday and he ordered state offices closed for friday And with that, we'll bring the conversation back here to the newsroom. I'm joined by our State House Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. Uh, Jerry, I wanted to pick up on something that we heard uh, Representative Ford say. uh, He acknowledged that a lot of people had never learned about uh, Juneteenth until just recently. I will admit I grew up in a different era in Missouri, and uh, we didn't learn about Juneteenth there. We also didn't learn much about the fact that Missouri was one of the states not covered by the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, because even though it was a slave state, it didn't secede from the Union. Um, But that was just one of, as I look back, many, many things about American history that we didn't learn. what, What was your experience? Did you learn much about Juneteenth or that era?
2: Um. Not really, no. Juneteenth, I would say no. That era, you know, you had the sort of baseline understanding, but I don't think it really got into it too deep, deep in terms of Juneteenth. I thought one of the interesting perspectives at that news conference that you and I both covered was uh, Senator Doris Turner from Springfield. She said she grew up in Texas— and her parents um, had always celebrated Juneteenth. She's an African American woman, and they they had always it had always been a major celebration. But she said, even in Texas, it was sort of not really observed by the white community there. So she was pretty emotional as she spoke about what this means for her, um, coming from Texas and being in Illinois now.
0: And I remember there were members of the Juneteenth Committee, I guess it's called, uh, the people who helped have helped organize Juneteenth celebrations before and were pushing for this legislation, and they were in a very celebratory mood, it seemed like. It was, they had been working on this for a long time, and you could just kind of sense the energy uh, coming from those people, they were really excited about
2: this, right? Uh, the, the committee members, all of the people at that uh, celebration—it was—and it was a celebration. It was—it was really striking to me how much this means, um, just the fact that the governor acknowledged it, and, and there was a real, there was a real energy there, like you said.
0: Yeah, and to do it in front of a signed copy of the Emancipation Proclamation, I just that—that um, that really. Yeah put the finishing touches on it. Yeah, it it really did. Okay. So meanwhile, also this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, the legislature was back. The Senate was back on Tuesday. The House was back on Wednesday to take care of some final business. Um, One of the things that they passed and they'd been working on for a long time was uh, what's called the Foyd card fix. Uh, There's been a huge backlog of applications for void cards and it's gotten to be a legal uh problem for the Illinois State Police and the state generally. Uh can you talk a little bit about what they're doing there?
2: Sure. So the uh, there's a number of things that that bill did. It was actually pretty quite extensive, but one of the things is that uh, Currently, there's a $10 fee every 10 years uh, to renew your FOID. That'll remain the same. But uh, previously, $6 of that each fee paid would go to the Fish and Wildlife Fund, which isn't directly related to the administration of FOID cards. So,
0: Well, you need a FOID card to own a gun to go hunting. Um, and so, you know, part of that going sure. to the people who maintain uh, wildlife. Sure,
2: but they don't um administer FOID cards and they're not the people in the sure. trenches taking those phone calls and whatnot. So, um, and $3 went to the firearm services bureau, which is the department that does that. And then $1 went to the state police generally. Now it's going to be five to the firearm services bureau for Floyd administration and five to, um, a different fund, which would be related to enforcement of Floyd revocations. So, um, the other thing it does is it creates a task force, and the sponsors were very clear: not a legislative task force that sits is around. This is a study group, right? Yeah. This is a law enforcement task force That's you see. Uh, there's, I think, my dad was on a South Suburban Major Crimes Task Force, which is you know, boots on the ground type thing when there was a murder in some of the uh, or violent crime in some of the areas that don't have um, other resources for that. So anyway, this would be for FOID revocation. The state police director would be able to execute intergovernmental agreements, and uh, they'd be able to, uh, if you are found to have uh, a felony on your record and your FOID card was revoked, they'd be able to go to that home and retrieve the gun. That's the type of enforcement that's been lacking.
0: And that seemed to flow out of a lot of frustration over the workplace shooting in Aurora a year or two ago. Uh, The person, uh, the the suspect in that case, turns out... uh, had a felony conviction from another state which hadn't reported it to Illinois, and so he technically shouldn't even have had a gun, uh, but was somehow able to obtain one, and the number of people died as a result of it. And there were people pretty frustrated that the state police wasn't uh, out there taking, you know, revoking the cards and uh, seizing the guns of people who weren't supposed to have them.
2: Right, and that's that. The enforcement is a is a big part of of what uh, really drove this bill. And then the other thing is they'll just be streamlining some stuff like, uh, coinciding concealed carry and uh, FOID together, making them one card to re- remove some of that burden on the state police and get get them to get the FOID cards out quicker.
0: Okay, and another thing which I didn't even see coming. Uh, But the governor did what's called an amendatory veto of the $42 billion budget bill because lawmakers, in their haste uh, to put the bill together and get it out, they were uh, trying to get it by the May 31st deadline, didn't quite make that. But uh, he had to do an amendatory veto to correct the effective dates of different provisions in there. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that before?
2: Uh, I spoke to Charlie Wheeler, who is a long, long-time uh, State House observer, and he said he doesn't believe he's ever seen such an amendatory veto on the appropriations bill. So it's just one of those things—you rush it, it's gonna, you're gonna mess some things up. But uh, this one, I think, particularly, they cobbled things together uh from the senate and house versions there are a couple versions floating around and all of a sudden this gets passed without uh the effective dates so you know in order to take effect when it had to the governor had to sign the amendatory veto and just one more thing to do this week
0: yeah and it is one of those there was this was like section 999 of the bill Uh, there were some sections of the bill that do supplemental appropriations for the current fiscal year and so those things were supposed to take effect immediately other things for next year they're supposed to take effect july 1st apparently they got them mixed up and there were some uh sections of the bill that had no had no effective date uh so that was going to be a real problem and so when it comes back to the floor of the senate and the house Republicans appeared to be trying to reopen the whole debate over the budget. Uh, they talked about things like, oh, there's a pay raise for legislators that got slipped in there, uh, some other provisions, and we're wondering why the governor didn't do a mandatory vetoes and strike those controversial things.
2: Yeah, and this was the budget that was passed. It was kind of a pipe dream to think that the super minority would be able to force the Democrats into another debate as to change some of the things when... Democrats control everything. So that was, yeah, never really going to get too much traction there.
0: Okay. And finally, late this week, you wrote about this. uh, The state has been trying various things to incentivize people to get their COVID-19 vaccines. uh, And they've now opened up uh, a kind of lottery. If you get a vaccine, uh, you're automatically entered into this lottery. Tell me a little bit about this.
2: Yeah, it's $10 million. There will be $7 million cash prizes, $3 million uh, for scholarships for those aged 12 to 17. They'll be eligible for $150,000 scholarships. And then the cash prizes will either be 100000 or three $1 million prizes. As long as you're vaccinated, you're entered into the lottery. Um, and if you win the lottery, the IDPH will call. They'll say, can we share your information with Illinois Lottery so you can win this prize? You say yes or no. And then you can choose to not have your name uh, shared with anybody if you win the lottery. So you could get your money and not tell anyone about it.
0: So this is on top of the what we call the shot in a beer Uh, incentive that went through the legislature. Uh, If you show proof of vaccine, you can get a free drink at participating bars. Uh, There was another one where you can get a free day pass at Six Flags um, up in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, So with all of these incentives, where are we on the vaccination front?
2: Yeah, they hit seventy percent for a uh, number of Illinoisans that have received at least a first dose. So as long as you have that first dose by July one, you might might win the million.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to leave it at that for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a Statehouse Reporting Project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock on behalf of the entire CNI News team, saying stay safe.